Welcome to Threads of Enlightenment, your journey into personal growth. The splendor of any decision is after you've made it, all that remains to be seen are its consequences. My name is Ken Primus. I am your host. Here at Threads of Enlightenment, we talk about the principles of self-development and personal growth. By having conversation with people, who have walked through their journey of personal growth. We believe that everyone at some point in their life will have to deal with one or more of these principles to have the privilege of focusing on their self-development as humans. These principles, when applied, can help you to become the best self possible. Welcome to Threads of Enlightenment, your journey into personal growth. The splendor of any decision is after you've made it, all that remains to be seen are its consequences. My name is Ken Primus, I am your host. Here at Threads of Enlightenment, we talk about the principles of self-development and personal growth. By having conversation with people, who have walked through their journey of personal growth. We believe that everyone at some point in their life will have to deal with one or more of these principles to have the privilege of focusing on their self-development as humans. These principles, when applied, can help you to become the best self possible. Welcome to Threads of Enlightenment. Um, as usual, we have our guests, and we I love the fact that people trust us to come to the show and to really uh, show us who they are in a deeper level than a conversation that you just hear um, from a friend or anything. So I want to welcome this guest. I'm going to have Katie explain who she is, what she does and all of those good things. And then, as usual, as we do here in uh, Threads of Enlightenment, we're going to go back and we're going to ask her all those probing questions. And uh, hopefully she can uh, uh, educate us all and that you and I can grow and become the best human spirits possible. Thank you. Welcome to Threads of Enlightenment. Thank you so much, Ken. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) <laughs> I'm so I'm so grateful you've created this space. It's like this is the this is the real stuff, right? Yes, like isn't it? These conversations. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. Um, I love it. It's it has flavor. It uh, shows people that uh, the human race is beautiful, and that we all of us. It doesn't matter what color, what creed, what religion. That we are beautiful. And that we ought to remember that as we deal with each other. So we are excited to have you here. And just keep us, uh, just tell us what you do and and all of the good stuff. And then we'll go from there. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. So my name is Katie Barbaro. And I am here living in Park City, Utah currently. I've bounced around quite a bit in the past 
I would say seven years. Um, I'm originally from Los Angeles, California, Mm -hmm. and I spent some time living in New York. And um, when I started, uh, so I guess I can, I'll work backwards. I know you you like to uncover the threads (laughs) after we have the tapestry. So I'll tell you the tapestry, um, which is I'm on the verge. I'm a week and a half away from maybe by the the time people are listening to this, it's already happened. Uh But on September 15th, which is very soon, um, I will be publishing a graphic memoir, a hand-drawn, illustrated um, book about my journey recovering from disordered eating. And this is my Excellent. first time ever publishing something. Oh, good. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. Mm-hmm. I'm going to post Thank it all over so the place. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. Yes, there's going to be an ebook too. So if you're listening out of the out of the United States, you can, <laughs> you can still get it. Yes. Um, I'm going to post it on all of our... Um, Every place, all of the Instagram and Facebook and uh, the blog, every place. So I'm going to tell them and make sure that they buy at least a couple of copies and give it away to friends. Oh, thank you so much. That means a lot to me. Oh, yeah, it's it's so it's interesting being in a position like this because there's this this voice in my head about like, who are you to do this? Who are you Mm -hmm. to share your story? And I know that there's a truer voice lower than it. And that's the same thing you focus on here at Threads of Enlightenment, right? Mm -hmm. It's like your story is everything, right? It's just, and our stories, it's none of our business how Mm -hmm. they catalyze transformation in other people or Mm -hmm. inspiration in other people. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a beautiful, Mm -hmm. I always tell people it's a pleasure and honor to get a chance to get to know who you are. Each one of us has to take that journey. It is painful, but it is absolutely beautiful because once you have graduated from, you're not going to graduate from everything, but you will graduate enough to begin to look at yourself and say, wow, I'm beautiful. I I like me. I am still learning, but I, I like me. I think mm-hmm. that is the beginning of our transformation in the sense that we are able to now not let someone's opinion of us overvalue our opinion of who we are. That's so beautiful. Yes. It's like I let my like deciding that my my love for myself and every single bit of myself, even my imperfections, my self-doubt, mm-hmm. my insecurities. I the love that I have for myself transcends all of that and, yes. and encompasses it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's this like decision. That's what self-love feels like to me. It's like this decision to actually love whatever bubbles out, out of me. Yes. And then that gets extended to every human as well. Like I love you no matter what is inside of you. Mm-hmm. There's no question. I know mm-hmm. because, uh, there's a, a saying, the principle is this, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy might and with all thy strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. And I believe if we as a global community just live by that one principle, what a beautiful world it would be. And because once you have accepted yourself and love yourself, then you can look at me because you are your biggest judge. You, you are 
you all your faults are so magnified and you look so small. But once you have learned how to conquer those uh, demons and feelings, so when you look at me, you have this glow, this non-judgmental view of life and people that it's so beautiful, and I love to see that. And when you you can you can sense it when you're having conversations with people, it's like the most beautiful thing, you know. And I love that stuff. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best stuff. <laughs> I know. I just love it. <laughs> yeah, so, I love it. Yeah, it all starts with that self-love and then it radiates. It's awesome. So how did you, your battle as I was looking at some of your things with the eating disorder, at what age did you had to realize, you, you realize that, wait a minute, there's a situation uh, that uh, is here in my life. How did you begin to find your way to the other side? Because it is, I always tell people, uh, your journey is never a linear thing. In many cases, it's usually uh, you begin it at a traumatic time in your life. I don't know why we, may, we wait until that time, but most of us do. But I think it's a shaking of the tree, as they say. And then we begin to look at what is quote unquote, the norm, and how does the norm mm. apply to me? And then we begin to start wa walking our way. So how did this happen to you? And how old were you when you began to shake that tree? Mm, I love that metaphor of shaking the tree. Um, <laughs> I would say, well, currently, I'm, I'm 32 right now. Mm -hmm. And growing up, I, I, distinctly remember moments where I gathered these imprints of your your body isn't isn't good enough you're gonna need to lose weight these mm -hmm. ideas nobody overtly said this to me I just kind of picked up on it okay. as um you know like I wanted to be an actress and I, I talk about this a lot in my book like mm -hmm. my parents were very adamant they're like you can be an actress but I remember my mom saying if someone makes you like lose weight or something for a role, make sure you don't do it. <laughs> and so as the child, I hear, oh, they're going to want me to lose weight. I mm -hmm. better, I better do that. Yeah. You know, it just gave me this association with like success and being in a smaller body or, you know, it, it gave me this program mm -hmm. that carried with me. And as long as I can remember, I had wow. wanted to lose weight. Wow. I wasn't necessarily in the depths of an eating disorder then, mm -hmm. but I can see the insidious programming t taking hold of me as a very young child. Wow. And it, it wasn't until, um, and, and like you said, this process is not linear, right? Mm -hmm. So one of my first shaking the tree moments in my life, um, in regards to really dislodging some of this stuff was I was, uh, I'd been with a partner for about almost five years mm -hmm. and I saw myself marrying this person, having babies together. Like I was, and I was in complete denial of aspects of our relationship that mm -hmm. <clears throat> maybe weren't working. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I found out that he was cheating on me Wow. and, and, um, that moment was just confronted me with the truth mm -hmm. in a way that I hadn't been confronted 
up to that point mm-hmm. where I genuinely saw reality in mm-hmm. a certain way. And then getting this information um, made me realize like I couldn't, that the way I was seeing things wasn't actually was true. Not, yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, just having that possibility mm-hmm. was a real ego killer in a good way, right? I needed to have this humility towards life yeah. that it wasn't all how I scripted it in my head. It's never and that way. <laughs> it is never that way. Yeah, exactly. If you think you know what's going on, you are very far from what's going on. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm sure that many of our listeners, including myself, I've been there before. So we totally can uh, uh, empathize with you on that, in that case. Yeah. Yes. And it's it's kind of this like, paradigm shift, right? Where you're Mm -hmm. like, whoa, I need to get my footing. And one of the ways I attempted to get my footing Mm -hmm. was kind of clamping down on the way I was eating. And, you know, I had kind of been through this like obsessive dieting spiral Mm -hmm. um, for a while, but I didn't see it as a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, It was, it's something that's very normalized in our Western culture. Yes, in Western culture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it was after this big breakup that I had and I, you know, it, it, it awakened this lion in me mm-hmm. where I was like, you know what? No, we're not, I'm not available for, um, you know, working on this right now. Like I, I need complete space and I needed to cut it off and like not, and like stand up for myself. Like it was this yeah, very yeah. much like a big soul lesson for me, right? Mm-hmm. My soul needed to come forward and be like, this is not okay. Yeah. I need to start choosing myself on a deeper level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but on that journey, I sank even further back when it came to my eating behaviors and I developed bulimia, which is when mm-hmm. I would, um, I had been kind of restrictive in mm-hmm. the way I was eating up to that point. And it was, that kind of led to, it led to binging and then, uh, the binge, like the binging was like out of control and I would mm. release all that by purging and wow. it was, yeah. And how old were you at that time? At that time I was around 25. Okay. I was wow. 24, 24 or 25. Like mm. when I went through that breakup Wow. and, um, yeah. So it was a whole new low that I hadn't experienced. And how long did you stay in that period um, of your, uh, the dark, the dark places? I tell people it's, um, there's a, a parable that says that the, the uh, prodigal son went and ate with the pigs. And when he ate with the pigs after he lost all his money was when he got the revelation that, Hey, I don't need to be eaten with the pigs. <laughs> and so, I say to some people, sometimes uh, some of us have to go and eat with the pigs as a metaphor where you go into the dark places. And in those places, as you uh, just uh, alluded to, was when you start getting those revelations that you got one that, wait a minute, I can't allow this. And so you start with your revelations about how you are being treated, how you are being spoken to all of these things. So how long did you think uh, you stayed there? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, 
I knew, I knew at that point that it wasn't right. Like inst- it was, it, it took, it took a while. It probably mm-hmm. took me a good two years mm-hmm. of really grappling and trying to fix it on my own. Yeah. I would say the darkness was me trying to fix it on my own without telling anyone about it. Mm-hmm. Well, I told a few people, but it wasn't like I was actually letting them in, in on that level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. So there was, there was, I still had some walls up when it came yeah. to really asking for help. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you said, there are so many layers of this and there's so yeah. many, um, you know, there were, there were some things I did for myself that were extremely loving. I did mm-hmm. my best. Like I was yeah. always doing my best. And one of the things I did was, um, kept a promise to myself. I had made long ago when I was in going into college, I had wanted to go far away, um, mm-hmm. Because I had always wanted to live somewhere else, but I promised myself I could live somewhere else mm-hmm. after college. I would move somewhere when I was a grown up, and <laughs> um, so I went to I went to USC, which is very close to Los Angeles, where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and also I majored in occupational therapy, which I I love, but my mm-hmm. passion was acting. My passion was comedy. I was doing comedy and acting like nights and weekends while I was working a full-time pediatric occupational therapy job out of college. So this is, this was the time in which I was developing this eating disorder. I was also very booked. I had like a, you know, 40 hour a week job, which was fulfilling, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it was also, I was giving more than I had. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we and then I was there. trying yeah, to, we, we hide there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We hide yeah, in our like, busyness. <laughs> uh-huh. And I was doing, I was doing improv nights and weekends. I mm-hmm. was like, all of these things um, were keeping me busy. Yes. And they were, I was, I looked, I presented very successful. Mm-hmm. You know, I looked good yeah. on the outside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then this, this breakup really made me question everything, everything. all the ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I realized one of the things I really wanted to do was to focus my full-time energy on acting mm-hmm. and comedy and, <clears throat> and also, um, yeah, just like choosing my creative passions over yeah. my OT career, mm-hmm. which was kind of me- meant to be a backup plan. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I moved to New York and started doing acting and improv as my main focus. And wow. I still had a part-time OT job <clears throat> and it was really amazing. And mm-hmm. my eating disorder kind of went away for like several months. And I, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm cured. I did it. I did it. I fixed it. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, cue ominous music when yeah. that happens. It's like, oh, <laughs> she thinks she's in control. Guess what? <laughs> yep. The universe has other plans other for plans. her. <laughs> Still haven't learned yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we hide so, in our busyness and it takes us, that's where the time goes because we have learned how to cope. And uh, then we, ha- we get this knock on the door several years later. 
we're not finished yet. <laughs> so tell us, exactly. once you get your knock, what happened when, when that knock came? The knock came, I had a couple weeks where we had visitors from out of town mm -hmm. and we were going out to eat a lot. We were, it was basically my perfectly constructed life where I'd had the same thing every day for breakfast and mm -hmm. I knew what I was, you know, still counting all my calories. All calories. Like I was, <laughs> everything was, yeah, it was like this tightly wound, uh, organism. It was mm -hmm. my life. And when there was like a wrench thrown into that, I started, my eating disorder behaviors came back really strong, wow. really loud, really full on. So I couldn't ignore them. Mm-hmm. How did they, like, how did that happen, Katie? How how did it how did those thoughts started to manifest to the point where it became um, the, your main focus? How what was there something or just that continuous uh, moving and moving or was there some specific incident that boom and here it is again? I mean, having those those visitors with us. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and my my boyfriend's parents were I had got a I had a new boyfriend at the time, mm -hmm. and his parents came to visit, and they were taking us out to really nice meals and all this stuff. And my I just felt my like scarcity mentality come back of like you need to eat as much as you can here, mm -hmm. and I was just like ripped away from the present moment, mm -hmm. and. It was just showing me what had been there all along that I yeah. was kind of suppressing mm -hmm. this, like, um, that I wasn't really in control. Um, yeah. The ways that I thought I was in control, I wasn't. Mm -hmm. And then I had this moment. So I, the the realization that my eating disorder was not, quote unquote, fixed, it wasn't fully healed, mm -hmm. um, became very apparent to me. I started looking up recovery programs and things like this. And I was also writing stand-up material about my eating disorder, and I performed a lot about mm -hmm. it, actually, um, throughout my recovery process. And I was sharing with a friend about it. And she said, oh my gosh, I'm also like I'm also a compulsive overeater and I'm in this anonymous program mm -hmm. and I was like oh I'd never heard of it and it was then that was this moment of mm -hmm. like serendipity of synchronicity the universe God giving me this gift of yeah. exactly what what I needed mm -hmm. like I didn't I didn't know what was going to happen there but mm -hmm. I just knew that level of surrender and being seen yeah. by others mm -hmm. and not hiding anything. I want to yeah. go, I'm going to go tell on myself. It's yeah. like how it felt. Yeah. I'm just mm -hmm. going to just, I have nothing to hide. This is what's <laughs> going on and I'm powerless. Um, it's a great place to be, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is the, uh, the best place to be. It is. <laughs> like, it, I don't need to have it figured out. <laughs> I know a lot yeah. of people don't, um, don't know the beauty of surrendering. I think because me, in my case, I was this person. I always had to be in self-control. I walked, worked in corporate America. I was always in my suit and everything. I had to be in control in the sense that my days and my uh, life and everything, I could manage it. If it got out of hand and I couldn't manage it, then all hell broke loose, you know. But it's, it's that thing of just learning to go, okay, this is going to be new. I, I don't know where I'm going to end up, but, and you jump. It's bringing in people into those dark places 
And so you place yourself in total, total vulnerability and a surrender, not to just the people, but it is the entire, I think your, your being, your, 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 your energy. Uh, once you do that, um, things begin to fall into place a lot faster than you would, uh, you would think that it, w- it would. You think it would be this long, you know, whatever. But that place that you talk about, it is such a beautiful place. It is such a, a vulnerable place but it is a beautiful place. Mm, Yes, it is. And I love that you connect that with like things just start to happen. Yes. Much faster than you would think. Mm -hmm. Because the reason they're not happening that quickly is our resistance to surrendering. That is the key right there. We're in a cage that our our egos built to try Mm -hmm. to keep us in a certain form, in a certain, like you said, control and... Mm-hmm. Managing everything. Yeah, and as we're soon in as control. We're just like, mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I got this. You know, I got this. And um, uh, one of my, my gurus used to say, "Let life dis- disturb your comfort, and then life shows up, and boom." And uh, your that friend came in, and um, your comfort was disturbed, and now your, your next step, your next phase, and that's the growth, the beginning of the surrender to it all. And from there, I'm telling you, I try to tell my listeners, um, a lot of people, uh, you talk about, it took you several years and that time, Katie, a lot of people are hard on themselves. They abuse themselves with their language, Mm. their words. Um, and I think sometimes if we would learn to put a tape down and begin to really hear what we say to ourselves, I think it would horrify us. And so, I always try to tell people, as you mentioned, it took you two years. And But to be kind to yourself, you have to learn to be kind to yourself. Even when you make that decision to, to be open to people and those thoughts will come back again. And you have to learn how to say, no, I haven't given you permission to manifest that. And you have to, that's how you become... You begin to start taking control of this stuff in this newness that is happening to you, where you say to the old thoughts, the old ways, not, not now, Mm. not now, not now. And those thoughts come and they come every second, a million times a day. And I tell people, speak to it, tell it no, that's Mm. it. Just say no, because you are creating something new, something different, and you don't even know what it is but you're creating something new. And so tell us about that as you started to create this newness, this new person. Tell us how you began that here at this place and further on. Oh, that's a great question. When you're talking about talking to that voice, it made me think of mirror work, which is something that I definitely used throughout this period. Mm -hmm. Something that Louise Hay in the book, you can heal your life. Mm-hmm. That book made a big impact on me. And it was this experience of really just looking at myself in the mirror, looking into my own eyes mm-hmm. and being there and letting it all arise, right? The the, the self-hatred just comes yeah. right up to the surface. Mm-hmm. You know, you just feel and you hear every single thought of that inner 
critic, that inner demon that's just yeah. trying to tear you down. Mm-hmm. And you you commit to being there until you can connect to the part of you that just, just starting with like, I want to love you. Mm-hmm. Looking in the in yes. your eyes and saying, I I'm yes. willing to learn to love you. Yes. And growing that into like, I love you so much, right? <laughs> this like feeling of looking into a child's eyes and just like, oh my gosh, you precious human. Yeah. <laughs> it's That's like, wow. I know. <laughs> I had the same thing. I used to walk around and kiss my hands, go, I love this guy. I love my color. And it took me oh. a long time to get there. And um, I would tell people it it, it was not a, a easy journey, but it was a worthwhile journey. And um, mm. I mine was guilt and and uh, all kinds of other stuff. I I told uh, I always tell people I broke up. I had a, a I broke up with guilt, and and I will never have that uh, relationship again. So um, sometimes yes. I tell them I said you'd have to take some of those entities that are walking with you and uh, bring them as an individual to in front of you and speak to them and cut off that relationship and move on to the next, you know, just bring them all before you. I remember doing mm-hmm. that one, one night I sat down and I was meditating and I, I saw this um, vision of this entity and I told it to said, come, I said, I recognize who you are. And, and I said, have a seat and we're going to have a conversation. And so I told uh, that guilt that I carried all my life. I said, um, thank you so much, but this mm-hmm. relationship is over. <laughs> so, you know, but uh, so I love uh, yes. yours when you're talking about you're creating this new being that you are. How did the people around you, did you find uh, people that supported you in the sense that can partner with your vision or were they still people that are close to you were saying, uh, never again, you can never do it. Oh, I felt, I felt surrounded by so much support, Mm -hmm. mostly because it was, you know, when you make a decision to follow the truth to follow yes. what is joyful, what feels like truly empowering and like connecting to a power, like a big part of this was connecting to a power greater than myself. Greater than yourself, always. Feeling the the powerlessness of all of the attempts that I had made to control my life and surrendering to this like this loving power that was mm-hmm. bigger than me. Mm-hmm. and who had kept me alive my whole life and was there with me whether or not I was accessing mm-hmm. um, it consciously. Yes. And so I feel like when you're surrendering to that, it's so it's easy for people to get behind you. And for the people who don't resonate with you, it's like, I don't want to be around those people. Yes. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah. it's nothing against them. Yep. I, I, yeah, but it's like it's I'm no longer um here to people please. And this has been yes. a big that's one of my my demons that I need to have a talk with often. I'm like, mm-hmm. "Hey, I see that you're trying to come date me again and we're not we're breaking up. We're not yep. doing that anymore." <laughs> it's like the most 
the most tempting lover <laughs> to come. <here. laughs> oh. uh, I try to tell people it's 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 a continual thing. It's not. Oh yeah. Um, they they try to revisit uh, that relationship because the relationship was was exciting to them as well. So they are trying to come back into that relationship, and and it's just a matter of you realizing. Uh, you have received a deeper knowledge of who you are and you move and speak and act from this new revelation of who you are. And it's nothing personal. It's just, I kind of like this new revelation, (laughs) you know, this new person. And so you, you pick and choose who you allow. I tell people we are an endangered species because uh, once you die, there is no other you. The, the world uh, identifies us by our fingerprints, by our retina in our eyes. Even that is different. And so when I leave this planet, there is not another person with my fingerprints nor my retina. And so as an endangered species, I ought to treat myself a little special. <laughs> I... I love that. I've never heard it said quite that way. And it's so true. We are each an an endangered species. Each and and every one. Yes. And we're also, it, it helps to put into perspective also the fact that there's really no, nothing but violence that can come from comparing ourselves to Mm -hmm. another person. To another person. Because... you, how can you, it, it doesn't, you're, you're that different that you're so special that there's no one like you in another, in this universe. I mean, to compare myself to anyone else is what a, what a terrible thing to do to myself. <laughs> right. And where the, the truth is actually, you are the best you, you could ever be. Yeah. And that's your only job here on this planet. Yes. It's to let more of your you-ness to come through because mm-hmm. that's what we're all hungry for. Like, yes. oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. The more exactly. it's, it's actually, it's not becoming new. It's becoming you. It's becoming mm-hmm. the actual you. And we're yeah. only the things that we're getting rid of are simply the parts of ourselves that are not truly us. Yes. Like, I- Yes, those are the parts yeah. we pick up from people, from uh, friends, from parents, from teachers. Like you had mentioned when your mom had mentioned that about don't let them do this to make you lose uh, lose weight and stuff like that. She, it was innocent, it, but it was a seed that was planted, um, and that seed grew. And um, over the years, they created branches and fruits and stuff like that off, off of mm. those, that seed. And so mm-hmm. you, as you began to grow, had to deal with all of those branches. But then you started looking for that root <laughs> because once you get hold of that, you know that those branches, that tree is dead and you're now... Yank it out. Yank it out. And so uh, sometimes you have to become a little brutal with those uh, those things to be able to move on because uh, it is uh, you have to yank it out basically to to pull out all the roots and again those, if you look at a tree the root is not a singular thing it it just has tentacles that create other things 
um, you know, from that particular mm. seed that was planted in your life. And so uh, we have to find and identify those seeds that have b- give birth to those trees and root them out. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I love, I love that imagery. And it's like, what's coming through is just our, my only job is to tend to my soil. Yes. And it's not my mom's fault. It's, Mm-mm. this isn't about no. anybody's no fault. No fault is not anything. Mm-mm. But if my soil allows for a seed like that to be planted, yes. it's my responsibility to rip it out. Yes. It doesn't matter who put it there. Mm-mm. It doesn't matter where the seed came from. Because if somebody said that same thing to me today, that mm-hmm. seed would have no, the yes. soil would be inhospitable to it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. my soil is very selective now about what it allows to grow. Yes. Only love and compassion and empathy and freedom and all of these very high vibrational um, experiences are what I soak up and I allow to create roots inside of me. Yes. And those thoughts can still, you know, maybe they become a seedling or mm-hmm. something and it, you know, it's a little bit of a limiting belief or a thought and it's easier to rip it out now because it's not as deep it doesn't Mm -hmm. get to go down as yeah we identify those and we become a better gardener and i think that's the key Mm. that we become a better gardener Uh, when we were younger or maybe when we weren't as a student of ourself where we weren't uh, studying to learn of who we are we couldn't have identified those things, and so they grew. But as we began to become students of ourselves, we began to identify certain plants by name. You know them by their leaves. You know them, and you know if this is a good plant or a bad plant. And so you're able to remove it much faster because you have become a student and uh, you are a better gardener. Mm. I love that. Yes, we're just becoming better gardeners. Yeah, that's it. And um, life is a beautiful thing. I keep telling people it is a beautiful gift that we have here to why waste it with hatred and and uh, all the different negative energy that we see constantly all day and how ugly someone when they speak and they spew that energy and the ugliness is, you could see it even in their faces, their hands, their bodies. And uh, when you see someone who, uh, exhibiting the, the spirit and that energy of love, you see it in their faces, you see it in their hands. And so it is a shame that so many people have made the decisions not to be a good gardener. Yes. And that relates a bit to our body image because that's something I struggled with, Mm -hmm. with my eating disorder and my body dysmorphia, the ways I, the ways I hated myself or about my appearance. And I can see clearly now that it was never about uh, my objective appearance, Mm -hmm. but the energies that I allowed to run through me. Yeah, And it's a physical thing, actually. It's a very physical thing when we have those programs running mm-hmm. through us. And it's, you know, having self-compassion. Yes. If, if anybody listening to this feels bad about themselves or the way they look, 
just know your physical body does not need to change, but the energy you allow to run through it does. And you can yes. make this change right now. It's a decision to uproot Excellent. whatever yes. is toxic inside mm-hmm. of you, right? That feeling of I'm not good enough as I am or you know, that self-hate, you might not hate anybody else, but if you're turning that in on yourself, it's creating this, it is hatred. And, you know, it has no business being, being inside of you. Mm -hmm. Um, It'll grasp onto any, any soil it can find. So yeah, it's just very worthwhile to find those roots and Mm -hmm. rip them out because you're beautiful mm-hmm. right so, now as you are. When you were in your 20s, um, when would you say that you, after you came back in, the, the, the boyfriend's mom came into you guys hanging out in New York and all of this stuff triggers you now? And how old were you when you began to become liberated in your mind? Mm. Yeah, I guess it's it started when I was around 26, 27 that I um found this path towards mm-hmm. liberation. When I was 28, on my 28th birthday, I actually stopped drinking alcohol. I realized mm-hmm. that was another um part of my life that was no longer serving me. Mm-hmm. And it felt and I, I actually the we I ended that relationship with that um that boyfriend also, but in a really mm-hmm. loving way, actually. Yeah. It just felt like it had finished, right? Mm-hmm. It was and it felt like that this time I did not know where I was going, but mm-hmm. I knew the the energy I knew the momentum that was taking me into a much bigger life than I could ever conceive of mm-hmm. um, when I was hiding and in the throes of this obsessive food behaviors and thoughts and all of that and yeah and then I guess I was twenty almost twenty nine was I twenty nine let me think yeah I was twenty nine when I was working with a life coach. And she helped me to identify my my values. Mm-hmm. And this was such a revelation to me because I realized my whole life I was living up to these values that were only <laughs> semi-resonant with me. Mm-hmm. We all mm-hmm. have our own yep. unique blueprint with our own values that really make us light up. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized, okay, so if I'm making decisions that are solely based on my values, what would I be doing? Mm-hmm. And I decided to take all the money I'd saved up and go travel the world. Nice. Um, to, yeah, just like find out who I was in different environments and feel the feeling of being at home in my body mm-hmm. all over the place. Right. Wow. If, I, if I'm intentionally homeless, how can I mm-hmm. find the feeling of home inside <laughs> so of me? How did this uh, and I'll get back to that part when you when you began to your journey. But how did that decision affected your performance as a comedian? Because you were using the um, your you had said earlier about using the, the fact that you had this disorder and you were it was a part of your show. 
So now, as you began to grow personally, how did that affect your performance on stage? Oh, that's a great that's a great question. Um, I I started. You know, it's funny because. I've talked to a lot of comedians about this where it's like, oh man, my old material doesn't resonate with me anymore. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would find though, there's always a kernel of truth in whatever it is that I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I don't have to have the same attitude towards it in order for it to still be funny. Yeah. So yeah. I found that creating a more authentic entry point into mm-hmm. the material, like even just starting out the set or starting out the joke, like, Hey, so I'm I'm uh, like two months into recovery and man, is everything different over here? Like everything's in color. But I mean, here's mm-hmm. here's how it was. And I can still yeah. talk about my my you know experiences. I don't need to. Um, and I think this is something that I really tried to bring out in the book that I wrote. It's like mm-hmm. I don't need to pretend like anything was different than it was, even mm-hmm. down to like the the disempowering perspectives that I held throughout my journey yeah. too, you know, yeah. it's all beautiful. It's all part of it. It's all what's led me to being here right now. And mm-hmm. the being here right now is the, is the truth, right? It's yes. like it all, for me, it all comes back to just like, oh, I'm here. I'm here in my body in this present moment. This is, um, this is everything. Yeah. I tell people it's, it's a, um, as I grew in my own skin, as they say, I saw, I started looking back, okay, what was, what was going on? And I saw that the shift was when I made, I shifted my perspective. I was in this particular situation and I slightly shifted my perspective. And as I began to slightly shift each time, I was creating something different and it made me stronger. I would look back to when my perspective was the other thing and look and go, wow. And and then I kind of look into my perspective at this time and I was like, wow, you know? And so it was just a slight shift that take you from one place to another. And it's really, sometimes I, I love going back and just slaying back and just thinking about, wow, you know, and and you, all you could say is just, wow, because you see yourself as this disheveled human walking <laughs> in, in all over, all over the place. But then you see yourself in a different perspective that you are happy with, that you're joyful with, that you can look in a mirror and as you're walking by and just blow a kiss and uh, continue mm-hmm. moving by. But I wanted to see how your perspective and you and you actually answered it it was a shift of perspective of how you take that um, situation and now apply it to where you are today so that is awesome so now you're traveling the world and uh, you got a chance to which was the first country you went to outside of the states the first country was Iceland why and well um, one of my best friends has done a lot of solo traveling and so mm-hmm. actually seeing her and how she lives her life was inspiring for me. Mm-hmm. And so one thing she recommended was, okay, pick a place you want to go and then see where the layover is and just go there first. Mm-hmm. Like So like letting yourself piece together this choose your own adventure. Mm-hmm. And she loved Iceland and it okay. was on the way to most, I was living in New York, so it was the stopover for most countries in Europe. Uh-huh. And I, yeah, so I went there and I also, I had reached out to families there about 
um, being a volunteer, there's this amazing yeah. website called Workaway. Um, My friend workaway. told me about net. that. Yeah, it's, I think Her it's workaway.info. Yeah, I think so. It's amazing. Uh huh. You can, uh, in exchange for like room and board, you can live. Yes, with this. you do all kinds of stuff. Yeah, actually, um, someone was telling me about that a couple of months ago. And uh, I told him, I said, I need to look into that. Uh, but yeah, that was excellent. So you went to Iceland. How did your traveling and your interaction, because you're meeting all these different people now, and mm. um, being that type of a spirit, you get to meet some of the most interesting people when you step out oh, yeah. of that comfort, as we say, and began to visit different countries and different culture. How did that move started to affect your being, your your spirit, your 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 energy? How did it start doing that? Wow! I mean, you kind of get to you get to feel how you impact your environment. Like everything mm-hmm. is a mirror for what's going on inside. So, mm-hmm. if I was having a, if I was in fear, my environment would, would reflect that. And Mm -hmm. if I was in love and openness and trust, my environment would reflect that. So I, yeah, it was an amazing, amazing teacher. And Mm -hmm. it was like teaching me how to hone my intuition and where like, okay, how do I, how does my physical body feel Mm -hmm. around these people around mm-hmm. the people I'm I'm with and like, oh, do I trust this person to hitchhike with them or do mm-hmm. I have this like reservation or, you know, it was an amazing teacher in just like learning to trust myself. Yes. And I was also able to see like the kinds of impacts I was making on the world, you mm-hmm. know, like being in this family that I lived with for about a month, I, um, you know, I kind of like cooked and cleaned for them and helped mm-hmm. them in their store. And <laughs> it was wonderful. And, but also the unexpected parts of that were, you know, I helped them communicate differently in their marriage or with their children. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I helped them see what their creative passions were that were kind of being squashed and mm-hmm. nurture that a bit more. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, it was beautiful what would like blossom from these interactions. That is and, awesome. <laughs> and it was something I didn't really, I didn't understand at the time. Mm-hmm. And just looking back, I can see how, you know, it was like the beginning of feeling myself as uh, like an energetic body more than just this physical body that I'm in Mm. and seeing how when I let my light shine, how it really does impact the world around me. Impact someone else, yeah. So now you're in 28, around there, (laughs) 29. Yeah, maybe 29 when I'm traveling. And so how long did you travel and where did you go? Sure, so it was about... I was out of the States for about nine months, although Mm -hmm. my nomadic nature sort of came with me. So my decision Mm -hmm. to come back was because I wasn't ending my trip. I was like, my Mm -hmm. whole life is my trip. It was a different, (laughs) I had a huge paradigm shift. So I went to uh, Iceland and then I went to England, staying with friends, doing more work away stuff, meeting Mm -hmm. up with a friend then in Northern Ireland and Ireland, um, traveling back to England, going to 
Paris and Amsterdam. That was a surprise trip that a friend of mine planned for me. The one who <laughs> is the solo traveler. She gave you a, an amazing birthday Christmas present of this trip. Nice. And <laughs> it was so nice. Yeah. And I just met all the right people. Like the most beautiful souls came to me on my path. Yeah, and... it's, it's an interesting journey, isn't it? When you When you have started that, how the people that you just happen to meet, as they say, is was a perfect pairing at that time. Uh, the life exchange, the, the joy, the, the beauty that is exchanged within that uh, time period that you're there, it's fascinating. It's really beautiful. And so you get a chance, nine months, then you're back into the States because I'm, I'm leading to this book. I'm getting to that book. Oh, yeah, we're leading to the book. Okay, we got to hurry up. <laughs> we're yes, getting to I was that gone book nine because... Months. I went back. to Thailand and no. Bali also came back. Oh, that's great places. <laughs> Love those. <laughs> really good. Really good. Yeah. Oh, man. So, yes, I'm back in the States. Mm -hmm. I travel. I take a road trip up to... I also meet my, um, my, my now boyfriend. We dated uh -huh. for a couple of months, became friends again. You know, I had just inner journeys to go through. And, yes, yes. you know, it's all about attuning to like what feels right, what mm -hmm. is right next. And yes. um, I was actually planning to go back to Bali. I was scheduled to be... T uh, facilitating an improv workshop at the Bali Spirit Festival. Wow. And I yeah, I was going to be going back there March of 2020, dun dun dun. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> I was living in New York at the time, um doing some some occupational therapy related work just to mm -hmm. make some money to, you know. Yeah. And then the pandemic hits and I've mm -hmm. been feeling, I knew I had a book inside of me that wanted to come out. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I thought, I thought it was going to be a book about my solo travel adventures, but <laughs> the, the message came to me that I was like, nope, actually <laughs> your recovery journey is what made this, this other book. journey possible. Yeah, possible. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so in the book, you know, um, that you are going to be published in a few weeks. How did that come about? How did you start the process? Uh, because I remember when I wrote Threads of Enlightenment, it wasn't, I didn't, the idea wasn't Threads of Enlightenment. It was something totally different. I actually wanted to, I have um, my sons and I, I have four sons that, and I was a single dad at the time, and I wanted to um, put all my little nuggets that I'd learned in life into this, call it the toolbox, and put it in there for the kids. So I was putting that together. <laughs> and, oh, that's beautiful. And it changed from that all the way to a book called Threads of Enlightenment. So that's why I was laughing when you were talking about what you thought the book would be, because the, the same thing happened to me. And one day I sat down and began to write the um, the paragraphs. It just, it just flew out of me and I just wrote it. And I called on a friend of mine who was a Hindu belief system. And I grew up in Christianity and I told her, I said, Rade, I want you to do me a favor. I'm going to send you these chapters and I want you to write about them and I want, I'm going to write about them, but we're never going to look at each other's uh, information and we're going to post it just as is. And so I did that because I wanted to, I thought about it would be great to have some, a female, number one, number two, someone from a different belief system. And my, my, uh, what I wanted to show was that of that thread, every religion, I don't care what religion you're from, we talk 
talked about self-love. And all we did was wrote. She wrote her part. I wrote mine. I submitted mine for each chapter. She submitted hers. And that's how the book came about. I never did anything. And if you see that, the threads are the same. And so I wanted people to understand that religion separates us. The principles are always there. And so um, as you saw the change in the book, because we have this perception of what we wanted, you know, hey, I'm going to write this book. And then life happens and said, no, Katie, I have another book for you. <laughs> so yes. how long, mm. it, the pandemic, uh, how long did it take you to, to, to write it? The whole entire thing? Or how, how was that journey? Mm. Yeah. So it felt like this, these marching orders from the universe of like, okay, well, you need to sit alone in your apartment and do this every day. This is your, it was like, this book is your boyfriend. Let's give, pour your love into this book. It felt Mm -hmm. like being at a sleepover with myself to be honest. Wow. I mean, you know, it was this <laughs> feeling, you know, it's a very, it's all hand-drawn and handwritten. And nice. I just had this sacred time with myself every day. Mm-hmm. Like every morning I would wake up. What and a privilege. Wow. It was, it was really, yeah, it was really beautiful. And I didn't realize how much that was going to release me of carrying around this story mm-hmm. because this was a story that I couldn't, it's like, I couldn't just let it go because Mm -hmm. it had made such an impact on me. I wanted to set it free and be able to offer it up just as a, you know, what it, what it really was for me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, it it felt like this experience was given to me to be shared and it doing that through the book felt really right. And it also felt it was like, it, I feel so much lighter after having written it because mm-hmm. the the story was taking up space in my being, in being yeah. Mm-hmm. even though I had lived through it. Yeah. This was an important part of living through it. And I didn't mm-hmm. realize it at the time what it would do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I feel... think it's a beautiful piece because now you have just offered up yourself to the masses in a pages, in the pages of the book. And so you are now at that place at the, the last book chapter of Threads of Enlightenment is about us becoming servants. And so Mm. you have now, through your life, uh, offer yourself and your your beauty now is to um, enhance someone else's, to take that seed and begin to plant it somewhere else. And so I'm going to tell everyone to buy your books so that you can hopefully get a plant a seed in, in someone's life, male or female, that are going through some of the things that you have been through, dealing with the eating disorders and all of the other things that you, you have gone through in your path. I want to thank you so much for coming. You have uh, visited us and entrusted all that you are to us. My hope is that the listeners would take what you have given to us and deposit into us that we can feel feed ourselves and then feed other people and educate them. And I want to send them to your sites and so forth so that you can um, continue to feed them so that they can get victory in their in their life. And I thank you so much for coming by. Thank you so much, Ken. This is really, really special. I feel fed by this experience myself. So thank you. Thank you. everyone who's listening to this podcast. We hope to continually help you to learn how to embrace moments of darkness 
because it is in the darkness that we learn how to develop and use our abilities to truly see those parts of ourselves often invisible to us in the light. It becomes your responsibility to navigate through all of your trials to find out who you truly are and begin your journey to loving yourself, which is possibly one of the most difficult things you will ever do in your life. To love yourself and to find the real you, but always remember to enjoy the journey. Thank you for coming by. Please subscribe. And if you can support us financially, we deeply appreciate it. You can do this by hitting the heart button. Until next time, invite your family, friends, neighbors, anyone that you can. You can hear us on Buzzsprout, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Overcast, and many more. Everyone who's listening to this podcast, we hope to continually help you to learn how to embrace moments of darkness because it is in the darkness that we learn how to develop and use our abilities to truly see those parts of ourselves often invisible to us in the light. It becomes your responsibility to navigate through all of your trials to find out who you truly are and begin your journey to loving yourself, which is possibly one of the most difficult things you will ever do in your life. To love yourself and to find the real you, but always remember to enjoy the journey. Thank you for coming by. Please subscribe. And if you can support us financially, we deeply appreciate it. Until next time, invite your family, friends, neighbors, anyone that you can. You can hear us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Overcast, and many more.